So we want to move into some things, and and I believe that God's given me a word look at for this place, for this house, next uh, few weeks. And it's, let me tell you, no matter what people say, we're living in a good time. We're, we're living in one of the, I believe, the greatest times in the history of the church. And see, there's a lot of times people will take, and, and, and I know a lot of people, they're, they're looking to get out of here, they're looking get me off this rock, just get me out of here, even so, Lord Jesus, come. But, you know, uh, and, and we, and, and, let's see, this is, missed Wednesday night, let me tell you, you missed one of the most beautiful declarations of the bride of Christ and the marriage that is coming to us, okay? <clears throat> Honestly, I've, I've bragged about it all week. I got home, I got on the phone, I started calling people saying, hey, you need to go watch this, you need to log, it was one of the most beautiful tellings of, of, of of, of, of a story, so you can go back and watch it. But as much as I'm looking forward to that, Dave, it doesn't change the fact that what God is doing right now is, an, is amazing. And I'm telling you right now, folks, we, we keep saying, well, if it gets any worse, we, we keep trying to read the times. We keep looking at our tea leaves. We keep casting our lots. Oh, it's just close. It's close. It's close. Closer now than it's ever been. Okay, yeah. Closer today than it was yesterday. We keep trying to look at the times to determine how bad the world is to determine how close he is to coming back. Because the church can't take much more. Folks, you forget the church, the bride of Christ, was born in adversity. She was born in tribulation. She was born in trial. She was under uh, uh, assault and persecution and what happens is is because we're uncomfortable Jesus has to be coming back am I out well let's just take <laughs> we think because we're uncomfortable that God is close. Come. Don't, don't, why why we get so quiet for? Because we have lived such a privileged life in the country that we live in that because we're uncomfortable, Jesus has to be coming back. You wonder what the, the first century apostles thought. Not one of us has ever yet been crucified for our beliefs. Not one of us has ever yet gone under the gun or been actually persecuted because we think because people say a few little things that hurt our feelings. Come on. No, Jesus is coming back. He's close, he's close, he's close. See, what the problem is, we spend more time trying to figure out how to get out of here than we do trying to live in the presence of the God who is here. Oh, come on. <laughs> we want out, we want out because we don't want to suffer. We don't want to put up with the struggle anymore. 
And what we've forgotten about is we serve a God who is ever present with us. We serve a God who says that he'll never leave you or forsake you, but go with you to the very end of the earth. And so if I could tell you, I believe that we are living in the greatest time of history for the church is because I believe that God is getting ready to show himself. I like what the word uh, uh, Shirley gave this morning. It's focus on him. Um, imagine if the church would actually do that. Imagine if the church would actually focus on God rather than everything else they've been focusing on. I'm telling you, all you have to do is go back to 2020 and watch what the church is focused on and it'll tell you where her heart really is. It's not on him. Oh, oh, oh. See, now we're starting to get, now you're real quiet. Because it's getting into a place that's... Mm. <laughs> you realize we are called to change the world. Amen. Not be a part of its system at all. Amen. Come on. Amen. See, you don't have to like it. But he, he, he called you into his system. He has translated you into the kingdom of his light. He didn't ask you to come... Oh. Does that mean we shouldn't take part? I didn't say that. Don't go out of here and say that. See, some of us are really kind of sore right now about this. I've, I've been going back and rereading an old book. And when I mean an old book, I'm talking about a book that was put together about a, 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 a monk that died in 1694, 1698. And if you ever get a chance to read this book, do it. Okay, <clears throat> it's called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. That's, 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 that's how, what he goes, that's what he went by, that's what he goes by. And you're going to get a lot of quotes over the next several weeks over that. Has anybody here read it? Anybody here heard of it? Okay, good, I got a couple. And I've been going back. Ruth, and I've been rereading this and going through it. I want to read, start off today before I ever get in because this is what God has been speaking to me. We are doing some very intentional things this year. Uh, in my personal life, in, in, in Harvest, um, I'm excited. I've got, some, I've got some folks coming that's going to do some, some stuff. Uh, oh, that's good. Uh, we're still on, right? In the month of March, we're going to hear every day, right? Hear every day, every night, every evening. In the month of March, for an hour, we're going to come not to pray, but to listen, to hear, to soak. We're going to do everything this year to gear ourselves into the presence of God. I believe if we found ourselves deeper in the presence of God, we'd quit worrying about everything else that's going on on the outside, and we would find joy in the existence that we're currently living in. Mm. So we're going to devote one whole month to just the presence of God. Adra's going to be running that for us. We're going to, have, we're going to be bringing some ministers in that we're going to focus on the presence of God in, in our life 
and in everything. But I want to read you this first quote. It'll be on your screen if you're watching. He says, the difficulties, this is Brother Lawrence from the uh, practice of the presence of God. The difficulties of life do not have to be unbearable. Somebody said amen right there, right? The difficulties of life do not have to be unbearable. It is the way we look at them through faith or unbelief that makes them so. <laughs> we must be convinced that our Father is full of love for us and that he only permits trials to come our way for our own good. Let us occupy ourselves entirely in knowing him. Now that's a deep word. Let us occupy ourselves entirely with knowing him. The more we know him, the more we will desire to know him. As love increases with knowledge, the more we know God, the more we will truly love him. We will learn to love him equally, I love this, in times of distress or in times of great joy. And so this series is going to be called Living in the Presence. Living in the presence of God. Over the next couple weeks, that's all we're going to focus on is getting into the presence of God. How I get into the presence of God. What do I do in the presence of God? What do I do when I'm in there? See, because we forget that we are a part of God already. And you live a whole life in his presence. And, and, and so I like what he said there. He said to know him means we desire him more. And, knowledge, and as our knowledge of him increases, then our love for him increases. Maybe we don't love God as much because we really don't really know him. I want to look real quick. Look, go to Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. I've had a hard time this morning all, all morning because I've tried my best in the last little bit just to live this. Of just, just, just get in the presence of God and stay there. Let's just stay. Well, that's hard to do. No, it's not hard to do. Because you have likened God's presence, and we have likened God's presence into goosebumps. Amen. We've likened God's presence into tongues. We've likened God, God's presence into dancing. We've likened God's presence into being drunk in the Holy Ghost. And we think that we're not in God's presence if we're not experiencing these things. But when you live a life in God's presence, you realize that everything you do is in the presence of God and that your life is not separated and cannot be separated outside of the presence of God. I've harped on this for weeks now. We say we believe in an omnipotent, omnipresent God, but we tell him where he can be present and where he can be powerful. Oh. Amen? Well, God can't be present there. <laughs> Look at Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. One day as Jesus was in prayer, so where was Jesus? In prayer. One day as Jesus was in prayer, one of his disciples came over to him as he finished and said, would you teach us a model prayer 
that we can pray just as John did for his disciples. So what I want to look at here, and, and how many of you know, Jesus accommodated them. We call this the Lord's Prayer. This is not the Lord's Prayer. It's a, it's a prayer that he taught them. It didn't say this is what he was praying. What they want, they wanted a ritual. They said, teach us a model pray, a model prayer. Give us something that we can continually do. But here's the funny thing. They wanted a ritual. They wanted something they could continually do without realizing they were already in the presence Teach us how to get in your, hey, D, will you teach me how I can be close to you? Please, please teach me how to be close to you. <laughs> That's what we do. We beg God, how do I get close to you? How do, he's got his arms wrapped around us so much. He has enfolded us into himself and we're still wasting our time crying, how do I get close? How do I get close? How do I get close? We need to understand we live in the presence of God. He has enfolded us into him and wrapped us into him. We can't be separated out of him. And for that, we're looking for rituals. We're looking. It's going to come whether you like it or not. We're looking for ways to bring us into his presence rather than honestly just living. We're trying to figure out how to work it out. Give me what to do. Tell me how to do it. Jesus was praying, and they said, teach us a model. The focus of today is going to be prayer and the presence of God. What do you mean prayer in the presence of God? How is prayer in the presence of God different than any other prayer? It's not. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Your whole life. Well, see, here's, here's the reason. We have made prayer the wrong focus. We've judged our prayer life based on visible results. Try that over here. We've tried to base our prayer life on visible results. Well, I guess my prayer life is not effective because I don't see visible results right now. There ain't no faith in that. We try to judge our prayer life based on our feelings. I, I just can't get a sense of release. I'm going <laughs> to... I'm just going to steal something that Dee said a while back. She used to pray, go into prayer a lot of times. And I did not ask her if I could tell this story on her. So if I'm not here next week, she's killed me. Come looking for me. <laughs> She'd come and say, man, I've just got this thing in my heart. I've got this burden. I've got this thing. And I just need to pray and go. And, and, and so she'd go off and she'd pray. And she'd come back and say, okay, I must have gotten through. Because I don't feel this. And not very much longer. <laughs> after she had her gallbladder out, she didn't have that feeling anymore.
Now, did that make all her prayers ineffective? No. But what, was, what it shows is she was basing her prayer life based on her feeling. Folks, I'm here to encourage you today, don't brace, base whether you're effective praying or not based on whether you have this, this feeling that comes over you. You're effective in your prayer life because your whole life is a prayer. One, your whole thing. Everything about you has a communication with God. Everything about you is connected to God. You live in the presence of God. If we would just remember that, we would quit trying to base whether we're effective spiritually or not, whether we have the right feeling. Amen. How many of you know that a king doesn't base his authority on how he feels that day? He doesn't get up and go, I don't feel very kingly today. I guess no matter what I say, really ain't going to matter here. No. Whether he feels kingly or not, he walks in, he takes his place on the throne, and he knows that the decrees that come out of his mouth will happen because he knows that he has a force that backs him that will ensure that his words happen. Folks, you got to realize that you are a child of the king. You have been seated together with Christ in heavenly places. And when you speak a word, you are speaking a decree from a kingship authority place that you don't have to determine whether it is how you feel or whether you feel like you broke through or whether you feel like you got it or not. Amen. <laughs> because we don't understand his presence. And we don't understand that his presence is always in us. And so they said, teach us a ritual to get into the presence of God. Teach us a model prayer. Teach us how. Can you imagine being in the presence of God and saying, tell me how to talk to you? When you oh, go to John chapter 15. <clears throat> I don't know if I want to teach this. I don't know if I want to preach this, but I tell you, it's been something that's on my heart for a long time because I believe us, too many of our people, Jody, are not sure of the presence of God in their life, and so they feel like they're somehow, well, if I can just get Jody to pray for me, if I can just get Dee to pray for me, if I can just get Shirley to pray for me, then I know something will get through. Mm. Look at John chapter 15. So we're looking at prayer. If you live in, uh, this is from J.B. Phillips. He says, but if you live your life in me and my words live in your heart, you can ask for whatever you like and it will come true for you. Amen. <laughs> where, where do you live spatially in the universe right now? On earth, Dee knew. Dee's the only one in this whole room who knew where she lived. Can you live anywhere else? Not right now. You don't have the ability. See, this is what we forget about the presence of God. The presence of God is always in our life. Look at the first part of that. But if you live your life where? See, this is where your life is lived. Our problem is, is we try to live in two different places. And I'm not talking about your behaviors or how you act. 
I'm talking about the mindset that you have put yourself in that somehow you live outside the presence of God sometimes and I'm in the presence of God at other times. But we say we serve an omnipresent God, that he is everywhere all the time. So I cannot get out of the presence. I can't get out of the presence of God. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I go to the top of a mountain, you're there. If I go to where the sun quits shining, you're still there. You're always there. We serve a God that looks at you and says, I am going to go with you through the ugly, through the bad, through everything. So when you live in me, when you live in me, just like earth, you can't get away. You're forced to stay here until the day we're And so we have to understand, in the presence of God, when am I in the presence of God then? But if you live in me, so when I'm at work, where am I? When I go to the doctor's office, where am I? When I go home and I'm by myself and I think nobody else is around me, and I do whatever I want to do, no matter what anybody else thinks about it. Where am I? And when I do everything that he tells me not to do, where am I? He says, if you live in me, you live in him. We're in him. We're wrapped up inside of him. You see, we can't get out from under that. But where's the disconnect is, is we've got a disconnect between our heart and our spirit, our head and our spirit. If our spirit is always alive in him, how can we think that somehow we're not? And so what happens is, well, you can't pray like that because I know where you've been. I know what you've done. I know who you did it with. Come on. So there's no way God's going to hear you. You're somehow outside of the presence of God. There's this disconnect in our head and our heart. (laughs) Go to Romans chapter 12. I'm telling you, when you begin to grab a hold of this, it will mess you up. It'll be hard to function. When you realize you can't get away, that he's there. Romans chapter 12, look at verse 12. He said, let this hope burst forth in you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in times of trouble, in a time of trouble, but communion, commune, I'm sorry, with God at all times. How can I commune with God at all times? Because my whole life is a prayer. See, we have relegated prayer to a closet. Because we've taken the scripture, when you pray, go into your closet. Well, where is my closet? My closet is Jesus himself. That's my prayer closet. Try that over here. See, this will rip us, this rip us apart because we've watched our movies and we've done all of our, all of our stuff and we think, oh, I'd love to go to this place and pray. I love, I can feel the presence of God in this place. 
You should be able to feel the presence of God in this place. You shouldn't need a location to feel God. You shouldn't need a particular place to say, oh, God is here. You should get up and look yourself in the mirror, look yourself right in the eye and say, there is God. I see I'm in the presence of God. I live in the presence of God. I stand in the presence of God. I bathe in the presence of God. I shower in the presence of God. I go to work in the presence of God. I drive my car in the presence of God. I pay my bills in the presence of God. Oh, I love to go to that place and pray. Because nobody's ever taught us that you are the dwelling place of the most high. And you don't have to go looking for him. I don't know how you feel about spiritual stuff. (laughs) But you don't understand. I should just get Ruth to come up here and pray. You say, well, why why her? Because a lot of times in other countries, they understand that there's spirits more than we do here because we're spoiled. That right, missionary? See, there is such a fight going in this place right now. There is such a a, a stand and a resistance that's happening in here right now. I'm all right with it. That computer's all right with it, too. Because one way or another, we're going to understand that we are the presence of God. We live in the presence of God. Everything you do is the presence of God. Everything. When you get up in the morning and you put on clothes, you are clothing the presence of God. And we'll get it because there's more to be done in the presence of God than can ever be done in my outside thinking. He said here, prayer is simply consciously embracing God's presence. That's all prayer is. Prayer is you making a conscious effort to embrace God's presence. It's not struggle. It's not work. It's not how many words you say. It's not how hard you say them. (laughs) Shout at the devil. Why? Can you show me one place where Jesus ever raised his voice at the enemy? We get excited. And our emotions get fired up. Mine do too. And we raise our voice and we do all. But let me tell you something. The the volume of of what comes out of your mouth is not as powerful as your convincing of yourself of what comes out of your mouth. How many of you know kings don't have to scream their decrees? Mm. They make a decree and they wait. Right? Right? And the whole kingdom has to come. Let me tell you, your life is your own kingdom. You are the king. Christ has come in and set on you. He has taken throne of your life and he is seated. To, and you, the word says that you are seated together with him in heavenly places. So we sit on the throne of our lives. Why are we wasting our time trying to shout at the devil? Does he have your throne? <laughs> come on. 
But you're going to have to come with me. Karen will come. I'm telling you, folks, we're, we're, we're going to focus on the presence of God over this year. We're, we're going to look at it. He said, commune with God at all times. Well, that's easy to do when you understand that you're always in his presence. It's always easy to have conversation with God if you know he's always there. Go to Hebrews 13. I'm telling you, it'll make you, it'll make you see sideways. <laughs> Hebrews 13, look at verse 5. Don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be relaxed with what you have. Since God assured us, I will never let you down. Never walk off and leave you. He said, I'll never let you down. I'll never walk off and leave you. See, it's easy to understand we live in the presence of God if you understand that part about Jesus. This is why joy is easy. Mm. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Verse 6. We can boldly quote, God is there. Where? Wherever I am. Why? Because John said, if you live in me and my words live in you, you can ask anything of the Father and I'll do it for you. If you live in me. So wherever I'm at, there is God. But what if I'm doing something wrong? You still didn't get away from him. <laughs> Come on. You still can't get away from him, folks. So everywhere I am, there is God. So I can boldly say, there is God. God is there. He said he'd never leave me. He said he'd never forsake me. He said, and I can boldly quote, God is there, ready to help. I am fearless no matter what. Who or what can get to me? Prayer is simply embracing God's presence in your life. Some of you in here have been taught that because of this, 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 and this, you've got to do this, 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 and this to get right with God. if you live in the presence of God. Now, does this give you a license to go out here and act like a knucklehead? <laughs> do everything that's contrary to what God says don't do in the Word. No. So before you go out here and say, you're giving everybody a license to sin. First off, I don't give license to sin. Nobody needs that license. We do well enough on our own. <laughs> if I could do that license, trust me, I, could, I might make some money. I know some people who would sign on for that license. But see, what we've done is we've kept people on the outskirts thinking you do all the right steps and then when God accepts you, I will. We've had them trying to please us rather than pleasing God. Y'all going to pick up. They got it. We've got them pleasing us. Oh, I would never do that. I would tell you a joke, but it's probably not appropriate. But even if I told it, God would still be here. 
about a preacher that stands up and says, see, people starts confessing their sin. He starts telling them, oh, tell that one. Yeah, confess, confess. Somebody else confesses something about, oh, I wouldn't have told that one. See, that's what we've done. This is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And you fix this, this, and this, and then I'll accept you. And when I accept you, then God accepts you. Let me tell you something, folks. You live, they live in the presence of God whether you accept them or not. And again, don't go out here saying, well, he says we can just live any way we want to. I didn't say that. That's you trying to add more to what I'm saying. Oh, I'm sorry. Not really. <laughs> Prayer is about embracing the presence of God in your life. It's about understanding that every conversation you have with God is heard, is listened to. Well, then why didn't he answer all my prayer? Because maybe some of the things you were praying wasn't what was God's plan for your life. Maybe, if, let me tell you something. I know, Perry, I know some of the stuff I've prayed for in my life. And if he would have given it to me, I would have jacked my life completely up. It messed me up. And I'm not going to quote Garth Brooks and thank God for unanswered prayer, but see, see what I did there? <laughs> yeah. You say, well, why are you doing it? Because I, if, if, you, if, if you could feel what's going on in this place right now, there is such a fight to this presence of God and this understanding, Scott, that we're in the presence of God. Everything in us wants to fight back at this. But he says, if you live in me, and my word's about in you, ask anything you want of the Father, and I'll make sure it's done for you. He says, commune with God at all times. He says, if I know where I am in Christ, I can say, there is God ready to help. What will I fear? It is embracing God's presence. Your whole life is a prayer. You're hidden in him. It's in him we live, we move, we have our being. We can't get away. The second thing I want you to understand about this type of prayer and this type of knowing, it is prayer, this type of prayer and praying in the presence of God like this, it is simply allowing God to speak into your circumstances. Amen. You have to allow God to speak into everything of your life. Well, how does God speak? Well, he does it through various ways. He does it through words of prophecy. He does it through words of edification and exhortation. One of the main ways that you'll hear God speak to you is the thing that most people don't like to pick up, touch, you know, is this. Because there, there's a big trend right now that says you don't need this. Is it the Word of God? It contains the Word of God. <laughs> Come on. Back to John 15. You need that word. <laughs> I'm just going to stick with it, Ted. But if you live in your life in me, and my words live in you, he says, then you can ask anything you want of the Father, 
and it'll be granted to you. That's my translation. He said, you can ask whatever you like and it will, be, it will come true for you. But when will it come true? When we understand that we live in the presence of God and that his words live in us. Not just hang out there. It's got to be alive. That word, yeah. That word there is rhema. That word there is rhema. If you don't know, Dee and I went to a Bible college called rhema. That word there, he said, if you live in me and my rhema lives in you, you can ask whatever you want and it'll come true for you. So let's look at that word rhema real quick. That word rhema out of Mounts defines rhema as this. It says, that which is spoken. It is a declaration, a command, or a mandate. So what's Jesus saying? If you live your life in me, and my declarations, my commands, my mandates live in you, then you can ask whatever you want, and it'll be done unto you. But what if his command does not live in you? What if you don't have a basis to stand on? You're just hoping because somebody somewhere told you you didn't need the word. I actually had somebody tell my wife that one time. I don't ever read the Bible. I, it, I don't understand it. I can't, I can't get it. So I just read after author, 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 author. That's all fine and good. I'm, I, I like authors. Got one sitting right here. I, I like authors. They're great. But they'll never, ever, ever take the place of the rhema of God in my life. Is, is that the only rhema of God? No. God can speak to me. He gives me directions. But let me tell you this, because I, I have to. When God speaks a word to you, Bob, it won't contradict what he's already written. Well, God told me to do this and to go over here and get this. But the word says that that's a sin. Here, let's just throw it out this way. God told me to leave D and go get with somebody else. One, she would kill me. <laughs> but if the word tells me that that's wrong, why do I think there's going to come? Then, then we're looking at a, 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 a bipolar situation. Come on. We're looking at a situation that can't make up its mind how it wants to speak. Last time I checked, the word tells me that God's not the author of confusion. So what he speaks to my spirit, I guarantee you I can back it up by the word. By the written word. Let's go back to Ramah. Told you. That which is spoken, a declaration, a command. Now Thayer says this of the word rhema. That which has been uttered by the living voice. Ooh. So rhema is that which has been uttered by the living voice. Complete Word Study Dictionary says it this way. It says rhema is everything which God decrees his omnipotent, Declaration. 
So Jesus says there in John 15, 7, if you live in me and my omnipotent declaration lives in you, then whatever you ask will be done unto you. Why? Because you're not speaking your own word anymore. You're not talking your word. You're speaking the declaration of the king of the universe who breathes stars out of his nostrils, who names them and numbers them. You are speaking his word and everything that has a name comes under his word. He says, if you live in me and my rhema, my, that which is spoken from my living voice lives in you. One way, but not the only way that he speaks will be by that word. And if you don't have a diet of that word, you're hurting yourself. You're not hurting anybody else. Yeah, but everybody views it differently. Okay. Let God lead you. But let me say this. Be open to change. <laughs> Be open to hear something that may not just sit right with everything you've been taught for all your life. Let me tell you, where I'm at now is nowhere near where I started out. Trust me. Anybody else ever been there? I'm nowhere near. Why? Because I opened myself up and said, okay, change me. Let your word change me. Go, if you will, to John chapter 1. This is the most famous scripture. Everybody can quote this. I'm going to read it out of the expanded version, though. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the rhema, was the word. In the beginning was the word. The word already existed. So you got to understand that. We have inspired scriptures that was written by men according to the word. That the Bible is the inerrant scripture of God. Okay? But before that thing existed, the Word existed way before that. I'm talking about the Word. Amen. I'm talking about the Logos. All right? He said, in the beginning it was the Word, and the Word already existed. And the Word was in the presence of and an intimate relationship with God. The Word was fully God. See, prayer is allowing the word to speak into every circumstance of your life. Prayer is allowing the rhema of God into your life. It's allowing him to speak a thing into you that will change every circumstance and every situation you have. Some of you are begging and begging and begging, waiting on God to speak, waiting on God to speak. God speak, God speak. Remember, you're in the presence of God. What's he saying? Are you with me? What's he saying? I don't know. I can't hear him. Yes, you can. You're in his presence. That's like me being right on top of D. And her talking, and I'm going, what? 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 Come on. You're in the presence of God. The disciples said, we're in your presence, but we don't know how to hear from you. We don't know how to talk to you. Give us a ritual. You're in the presence of God. What's he saying? I don't know. I can't hear him. Yes, you can. 
What's he get? Well, I, don't, I can't hear him here. Then guess what you do? You walk right over here. You grab Ted's Bible. Or you find one of your own. And you start looking. Say, show me. Show me. I need to hear. I need a direction. Show me. Ted comes into my office almost a year ago now and says, we're having difficulty. We're having trouble, not in their marriage, but with, with an issue. He said, I have, to, I have to hear from God on you. He said, so let's pray with me. Drove an hour over here just to sit with me. So we started praying. You know what the word gave me? What the Lord gave me? What the word gave me? He gave me a scripture. Gave him a scripture, a word. He said, that's it, I'm going home. Took it home, wrote it down on his little vision board in his office, and every day, got up. It's, you say it's still there? Gets up, reads that word, why? Because that one word, that one rhema, that one spoken declaration mandate from heaven changed the entire situation of his life. The same thing is true for you. Don't relegate it to somebody else. Hear God on the inside of you. You live, this whole series is living in the presence of God. You live in the presence of God. What's he saying? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, was fully God. Let's keep going. Oh. He was in the presence of and an intimate relationship with God in the beginning. All things came by him. By what? The word. All things came by the word. Mm. And nothing has come into being without him. In him there is life. And that life is the light of all people. Praying. This type of prayer, praying in this type of knowledge of living in the presence of God, it allows the original voice of creation to speak into your little situation. The original voice of creation. When you live in the presence of God and your life is a complete prayer, at all times you're in communion with God, then the original voice of creation is the one that is speaking in every situation of your life. This is living in the presence where we're not trying to guess what is the will of God. We walk around... Folks, it should be commonplace to right in the middle of a sentence, you say, wait, 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 I need to hear God on this. Yeah. I don't need to make a decision, right? That's what a car salesman does, right? Sorry. <laughs> car lot owner over here, we won't look at her. By now, by now, this deal may not be here tomorrow. I can get it done today. Folks, you live in a God that deals in eternity. And we somehow think that he's relegated to our timeline. There are times when you need to step back from the busyness of your life and say, I need to hear God. I need to hear the rhema of God. I need to hear the mandate. I need to hear the declaration. I need to hear the living voice. 
I need to hear the original sound of creation. Speak into my situation. That's what living in the presence is. Man, imagine what our lives would be if we started this. Kevin, imagine what our businesses would be if we started this. If we walked this out. Go to Hebrews 11. Oh. <laughs> you feel that little shift? Hebrews 11.3 And it is, after all, only by faith that our minds accept as fact that the whole scheme of time and space was created by God's command. King James says it's only by faith that we know that the worlds were created by the word of God. I just like how J.B. Phillips put it there. He said, it's, we, it's only by this, by faith, do our minds accept as a fact that the whole scheme of time and space was created by God's command, by Rama. That the world which can be seen came into being through principles that are invisible. So the world that you see only came because of a word. And the world you're looking for will only come because of a word. And when you're living out this prayer principle of every prayer I pray is in the presence of God and I, he's there all the time, then I understand that the world that I create, the thing that is forming around me is formed by a word that has lasted from eternity past to eternity future. I am hearing the word, the original voice of creation itself. The original of the original is speaking into my life. And when I speak his word, I am releasing that exact same creative power into the hell that I found myself in. And in that place, Everything changes. In that knowledge that I am in his presence. So I'm always in his presence. It's, so what is prayer? Prayer is continually embracing the presence of God. And it is allowing the presence of God to speak. So what's the purpose of this? The purpose of this prayer is to bring glory to God, not just have all your little wants answered. There's the other thing that's wrong with this. We, we, we've relegated prayer to our needs, our wants, our desires. Lord, this is Jimmy. I'll take all you can give me. <laughs> Come on. Prayer is actually bringing glory to God. And God answering prayer for you. But when does God answer prayer? Let's go back to John 15 again. John 15, 7. If you live your life in me, if you live your life fully in me, and my rhema, my words live, abide, they're alive in you and in your heart, he says, then you can ask whatever you want. 
and it'll come true for you. Jesus says, ask and it'll be done unto you in King James Version. If you live in me and my words live in you, then. See, when you understand that you're in the presence of God and when you speak, you are speaking the original voice of creation. Then whatever you ask in your kingdom. Come on. Problem is, a lot of times we ask things that are not according to his will. Well, how do I know if it's according to his will? You pick up that little thing, dust it off, charge the battery up if you're like me. (laughs) But look at verse 8. And this is how my father will be glorified. In you becoming fruitful and being my disciples. When you are fruitful, when you are producing the results of a life that is found in his presence, that understands I live in the presence of God, I'm practicing the presence of God. And when I live in that, and I pray that, and I'm speaking out that rhema, then what happens? I become fruitful, and the Father becomes glorified. So that tells me God doesn't just meet my needs to make me happy. He meets my needs to bring glory to himself. And what happens then is I become fully mature disciple. I become fruitful. By living in the presence of God and being in this place, this communion, this constant conversation, this realizing. That's what I love about the book of my brother uh, Lawrence. He just constantly understood everything he did. You know what he did in the monastery? He was a cook. Well, then he he got to where his leg was having trouble with the leg. I think it was cellulitis. And they gave him a job of a sandal maker where he could sit down. And the whole time he made sandals He just practiced, I'm in the presence of God. That what I'm doing is not, and he became one of the most influential monks where people all around would come and just talking to him would bring him peace, would bring people comfort. Imagine that that's your life, where you understand that you're always in the presence of God. That no matter where you go, what you do, no matter what happens, I am in God's presence. This is God's presence. I don't have to be in church to get it. Although church is good. Come on. Word does say, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. As a manner of some are, one one of the original writings says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the heathen do. That's for another day, right? We get in the presence of God. And we realize when I wash dishes, I'm in the presence of God. And when I sew a sandal, I'm in the presence of God. And when I fix a house, I'm in the presence of God. Or whatever some of the rest of y'all do. (laughs) You're in the presence of God. Then all of a sudden you become what a real disciple is. And even the disciples didn't get this right. Because they still watched Jesus pray and said, teach us a ritual. So we can talk to you better. Mm. (laughs) 
See, when we pray like this, we were becoming saturated by God's glory, which is where God wants you to be. I'm going to leave you with just a couple more scriptures. <coughs> Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Let joy be your continual feast. In other words, quit trying to eat on everything and just eat joy. Just let joy be your continual feast. Now, I love verse 17. Make your life a prayer. King James says, pray without ceasing. Ceasing. But I love how the passion puts it there. Make your life a prayer. How do I do that? By realizing I'm always in his presence. Then every conversation I have is prayer. Right? Because isn't that what prayer is? Talking to God. Brother Lawrence said this. It should be come up on your screen. He said that we should establish ourselves in a sense of God's presence by continually conversing with him. We establish ourselves in a sense of God. In other words, always talk to him. When you're alone, always talk to him. Let a, a full conversation. Some of us are trying to live like we've lived in marriages. He's in one part of the house, I'm in the other part of the house, and every now and then we yell through, watch for dinner. <laughs> and D yells back, She's never done me that way. But that's how we treat God. Like he's living in some other part of the house and we have to yell and hope he hears us. Rather than understanding we are in his presence and there's no ritual to get there. We're just there. And this is where we rest. And he speaks to us in the original voice of creation. And I repeat it into my kingdom and I know it's a decree that is set and will last and will be fulfilled. <coughs> And then all of a sudden, I'm just eating joy all day long, Idra. Everything in the world can fall in around my ears, but I, I find myself just full of joy. Everything's going wrong, but somehow, I might shed a tear every now and then, but I'm still joyful. Amen. Because I live in his presence, and in his presence is fullness of joy. Come on. So let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. He goes on to say here <coughs> that we should establish ourselves in the presence of God, in a sense of God's presence by continually conversing with him. That it was a shameful thing to quit his conversation. <laughs> he said, let us live a place where we're just constantly in conversation with God and it's a shame that we should ever quit talking to him. And it's a shame to quit his conversation. To think of trifles and fooleries. In other words, it's a shame to stop talking to God because you're worried about the other little things and the affairs of life that come along. And all of a sudden we're like, oh yeah, I guess I need to ask God. I guess I need to talk to God. I guess this is good. He says, make your life that type of prayer. Verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians 5. He says this. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks. For this is God's perfect plan 
for you in Christ Jesus. What is God's perfect plan for your life? To be, let joy be your constant feast. To your life is a continual prayer, a continual conversation in the presence of God. And that in everything you go through, you still find it somewhere inside of you saying, God, thank you. Because it could be worse, Lord. Psalm 1611, this is our last scripture from the New English translation. It says, you lead me in the path of life and I experience absolute joy in your presence. King James says, for you lead me in the path of life and in your presence is fullness of joy. But I like what he says there. He says, you lead me in the path of life and I experience absolute joy in your presence. You always give me sheer delight. Folks, this is the place where God wants us to live. And how we live there is to be constantly aware that we are always in his presence. That we're not separated from his presence. His presence didn't jump out of you and is waiting over there for you to get your junk right. He's so close to me, he can tell me to get my junk right from right inside of me. Come on. This is the presence of God. This is what we're going to look at, is living in this type of presence. Our goal is to take us deeper. The Lord told me, I told Dee this morning what the Lord said to me, and she said, well, why? Because I hear them saying that this is the word. I want to leave you one, more, one last quote by Brother Lawrence, just because Jody put her notepad away and closed her pen. Y'all didn't see the look she gave me. He says, there is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Back that up, uh, whoever's on the computer today. There is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Go ahead, Adrian, I'm waiting on you. See, that doesn't bother me. Jim's taking a picture of the screen. Take those pictures. He goes on to say, those can only comprehend it who practice and experience it. We can only comprehend this life in the presences when we practice. So this week, practice being in his presence. Well, how do you practice being in his presence? You sit down and make yourself aware. You intentionally tell yourself, I'm in the presence of God right now. Amen. And when you come out here Wednesday for prayer, you're going, I'm not going into the presence of God. I'm carrying the presence of God with me. And when we unload Harvest House truck, we're unloading Harvest House truck in the presence of God. And when we come back to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit on Wednesday night, we're coming back still in the presence of God. This house does not contain the presence of God 
just because he's omnipresent, it contains the presence of God because he's omnipresent and because you're here with him. Other than that, you know what? They could shut this down, sell it, make a bar out of it, make, you know, they could do all kinds of whatever they wanted to. And you know how that, you know how far away from God's presence that would take me, Dave? Nowhere. Still in his presence. Over the next three weeks now, for the next three weeks now, we're going to look at living in the presence of God. And this year, we're going to focus the heartbeat of harvest is to stop struggling, stop trying to make it happen, and just realize it's who we are. We've spent too much time trying to work it out rather than just be. This praise team, they don't bring the presence of God. They are the presence of God. You are not receiving the presence of God. You are the presence of God. So why don't we just pull it all together and rejoice. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. Mold us, make us, and change us. Father, teach us to rest in your presence. Teach us to rest in your glory. Teach us that we can stop striving to find you and just experience you for who you are. We're not trying this thing. We are in the presence of God. And help us as we learn to live in your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.